0: Hey, there's a live recording symbol that must mean we're live hello and welcome to post Loons. Um, it is our pleasure to be here this evening with you, regardless of the fact that you probably took no pleasure from the soccer game you just sat through so feel free to cleanse the last two hours of your life from your mind with us as much as we can as we break it down with you. My name is David Naylor. It's my pleasure to be here tonight hosting Post Loons for the very first time back in the soccer podcast hosting seat for the first time in like three years, (laughs) pre-pandemic goodness. And for the very first time, I'm joined to this podcast by John Marthaler. How are you, sir?
1: It is my pleasure to be here with you. We've never been on a pod together before. This is great. I know. Uh, do we know the same language? Are we allowed to talk to each other? How, how does this work?
0: At least vaguely, right? Like, yeah,
1: we will be more in sync
0: than Minnesota United's attack were tonight. Am <laughs> I right? Bada bing, bada bing. <laughs> you Just are correct, sir. Off early. So, yep. as you may know, since you're joining us here, Minnesota United played in Kansas City against Sporting Kansas City this very evening at Mercy Park. Final score of that game was 3 to nothing at Kansas City. Minnesota United offered very little of interest over the course of that game. Goals from, uh, I should have looked at first names. Rosero for Kansas City. Danny Rosero in the ninth minute. Daniel Shallowy in the 22nd minute. And Gotti in the 84th minute for Kansas City's goals this evening. Um, before we get started with the breakdown, reminder that we are live on YouTube, and feel free to subscribe and leave a thumbs up and give us that engagement that helps us a ton as we uh, try to build up what we're doing here at Soda Soccer. On a related note to that, on, if you're on YouTube or on many of the other platforms we have, you can leave us a question or a comment or a take to be read live on the air and responded to. I see we already have a couple of people posting comments, including that our audio is dead. Is our audio still dead, Chris? Are we still dead? We better not be. I hope
1: not, because I'm still talking. <laughs> I've been hearing you the whole time. Th- you know, even if it's just you talking to me, that's worth it for me personally. Right. Like, where Everyone we else might have trouble, but therapy, as long as
0: I can hear you do. do. I, yeah. Let me click on some buttons real quick before I start to talk
1: too deep. Talk too much. For the buttons do the button clicking. That was our button um, clicking song. We need a tip jar just for these improv songs that we're doing.
0: Right. Like I'm not even all the way through my intro yet, and I feel like stuff is broken. <laughs> oh, it was on my set. Hooray! Thank you, everyone. Appreciate it. Okay, I'll keep talking now. So your comments. Hey, I can hear you. You're good. Thank all of you for being here and telling us that we're good. I appreciate that. So, that's showing how you can leave comments and I can show them on the air and we can respond to them. In that's this
1: right. Case, what a good demonstration. Is
0: <laughs> this is a good test of all the features for me.
1: I yes. appreciate it.
0: What a two-way um,
1: street we have going here. Right,
0: exactly. Uh, another thing to note, if you are a fan of the program and a fan of Soda Soccer, you are more than welcome to subscribe to us and directly support us at patreon.com slash Soda Soccer for as low as $3 per month. That ensures that we get to do things like this that gets you exclusive access to interviews and content and podcasts and all kinds of wonderful, wonderful things that we are doing there. John and I are getting paid to be here, which is great. That doesn't work without people on Patreon supporting us. So if you are already a Patreon supporter, we really, really appreciate you. If you're not, please consider joining that effort. Now that I've got all the promo material, let's dig into this game. John...
1: What was the first just, of your three things to respond? We could just keep doing promos for the whole time, and that would probably be... I can just keep doing ad... I'll just It would keep be less sad. Yeah, <laughs> We're going to do ad... Re- we're going to make up our own ad reads. Stamps.com. Have you heard about this? Stamps.com. I'm wearing a very like nice every Adidas hat. Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. My first thing... Where do you want to start? Uh, we can start... Uh, I want to start with let's start with the first half and specifically the first thing that I noted as, as part of the three things was the midfield just completely disappearing. I, I tweeted something like I always feel like a 5-3-2 works better if all three midfielders don't go missing for the entire first half, but that's kind of what happened. It was it, it was just sort of a weird setup. Somehow it seemed like Robin Lud was playing as the defensive midfielder and Kervin Ariaga and... Hassani Dotson were playing as sort of, you know, the number eight sort of advancement fielders, the creators in the middle of the park, and it seemed like none of them was in the spot that they were comfortable in. So it, it really just seemed I like I, I like the way the the five three two looked in previous matches. Minnesota switched to its sort of des- as a desperate thing late in the Vancouver match, and it really seemed to turn things around. They played it against Philadelphia, and we wouldn't be talking about whether it was bad or good if they hadn't given up goals at the last kick of both regular time and extra time. But in this one, it just—it seemed like somehow it just didn't work. The the three guys in the middle of the field just seemed lost, and, and
0: that's the most confusing thing. Part of it is exactly what you pointed out: is they've played this formation in each of their last two games. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Did did they start the Philly game with it? I feel like they did.
1: Yeah, I think they did.
0: Yeah, so they started with it in the Philly game, and obviously the personnel weren't hundred percent the same, but clearly this is a setup they've been working on. They used it in Vancouver late in that game. And mm-hmm. and for this to just be a complete flop, I literally wrote last week about how much I liked Robin Lewis in this midfield setup. Right. And liked seeing him playing at the eight, but he needs to play at the eight for me to like the setup. So I literally it literally,
1: I just, it, it it literally seemed like they, you know, Adrian Heath even said, Oh, we haven't had much time to work on it yet. It was like, Oh, we had some time to work on it finally, and it got worse once we worked on it.
0: <laughs> That's not a great indicator. Not a great,
1: um, not a great indicator of whatever they were working on, I guess.
0: My, my, my first of my three things is also kind of a first half stat, which is the fact that Minnesota United did not register a single chance from open play on target until the fit. On, a chance of any kind at all until the 54th minute in this match. If you go to the MLS recap of this game and look at the stats of this page, they have a nice little graph of where the XG happens in the game. If you ignore Songwin Min Jung's penalty kick attempt, which is an 80% XG addition, a 0.8 XG addition, there was nothing on the Minnesota United graph until the 54th minute when Franco Frangapane had a half chance. Yeah. Nothing. 0.0. 0. Nothing.
1: Well, so let alone
0: the mean... fact that the defense has flopped from what was carrying them earlier this season, which was they were getting clean sheets or getting close to clean sheets and get a, get a nil-nil, get a point on the road. Like a, a road point in MLS is great. That's what you want in this game. When you give up, two goals in the first 25 minutes of a match and offer absolutely zero, nothing going forward,
1: you're probably going to lose a lot of your
0: matches.
1: (laughs) That it, it it remains as true now as it ever was, that if you're going to score a goal, you have to take a shot.
0: It's I, I was not the only one, John and John and I already corresponded about this on one social media or another, but yeah. Seeing Luis San Maria take, I believe, Minnesota United's first shot on goal in, what, the 70th minute of the game that wasn't a penalty kick was – I I was happy, and it made me sad that I was happy about that making me happy. <laughs> by,
1: that, <laughs> by that time, I'm sure that most Minnesota United fans, everything was kind of blurry anyway, so – I'm not gonna lie,
0: I did not pay as much attention to the second half as I probably should have for hosting a podcast about it. And I don't feel that bad about <laughs> it. Real real talk. What would what would you hit second in your three things?
1: Well, the second thing was sort of related to the first thing. They yep. again at the at halftime, they brought on Franco Fragapane, they took off Brent Coleman and sort of switched back to the 4231 they're used to. It was a little bit strange because at least in the early stages of the second half, it was a lot of looking at what was on the field and going well i guess fragapani is playing in sort of the central attacking number 10 role well no well hassani Dotson's popping up there i guess no well is is is, is lid there i'm not it was it was a little bit unclear who was playing where i i think that got a little bit more ironed out when they brought on um luis Maria and mender garcia a little later in the half but at the same time it just at that point it was just disjointed It was, we've seen it a million times in Kansas City now. It's every time they go down to Kansas City, number one, they talk about how much they respect Kansas City, and apparently they respect them too much because every time they go down to Kansas, three nothing is not a bad result for Minnesota and Kansas City. Usually it's four nothing. That's correct. Yeah. Three nothing is pretty proud average. That's about the median. Four nothing is about as bad as it gets every. I, again, I don't want I don't want to just sit here and read my social media feeds, but I did say every time they go down there, I end up tweeting the fact that Minnesota's never lost five to nothing. And that's what they're aiming for in this game. Just don't lose five to nothing. They've lost six-one. They've lost five one a couple times, but never five-nothing. So this is this is in fact goals. if I'm Kansas at goals. Goals. hashtag if- Kansas goals. If I may pull
0: a stat here, this Ooh. is the first time in their last three appearances in sport, in Children's University Park that they haven't
1: allowed four goals. Ooh, it's improvement. It's on the way <laughs> three up. Three is actually – that's so bad. Never mind that Kansas City had scored five goals in 11 games coming into this. And game. never
0: mind the fact that they were bad last year and they got thumped. Yeah. They're bad this year and they got thumped. Yep. Like this is one of the bottom two teams in the West. Or it still is, but by less now. That, yep, jumps there's in something, that
1: I don't know what the curse is. Maybe something to do with the Kansas Speedway just throws them off. And uh, that go, that leads into one of
0: my points, which is the fact that Minnesota is, I think they came into this game 11th in the West. So I don't think they actually moved in the standings. Cause when, when I looked at the standings earlier in, in the week, they there's a whole like 10 teams in MLS were tied on 12 points. They still have 12 points. So like that didn't change. Cause that's not how soccer works, but kansas city now who is in 14th and stayed in 14th um has nine points and is only three points back of them and you have um i want to say rsl and uh austin who are one point and two points behind them respectively at time of recording i know rsl was playing right now uh, against lafc and are losing so they might stay there but um they're not that far from dropping down into not just out of the playoff places, but into like the basement basement of the Western conference and a result like this and a result like losing in Vancouver, despite the comeback effort, it, it, it's
1: not getting better. Yeah, it's, they might not have dropped all the way to last place, but they really have dropped into that group of teams that everyone knows they don't need to care about in MLS. Kansas City was already there. There's just sort of that grouping down at the bottom of the standings where everybody says, Yeah, they're terrible. Move along. And the only thing the only thing that ever happens to interest people is that somebody gets fired or some somebody rips off a couple of wins or something. But it there really is just sort of a grouping of teams where people just want to ignore them. And Minnesota is now six games without a win, five of those are losses. They're firmly in that group of bad teams at MLS.
0: And the fact that like and MLS they still haven't won at home yeah which like tonight had nothing to do with but that's been their saving grace as they've been so great at all in field since it opened basically and they don't have that yet this year so they're really in danger if they can't pull out results on the road now if they can't fix their home form
1: mm-hmm. uh, what was your third point John uh, the third thing I was going to talk about is, I, I don't feel like we've talked about this a lot. N- obviously, you and I haven't talked. We already said that this is the first time we're talking on a podcast. But overall, I haven't seen a lot of talk about this. I think we're at the point where we need to start talking about Dane Sinclair. He Minnesota gave up three goals tonight. I don't know what Kansas City's ex- expected goals were, but my guess some. Yeah, I was going to say it was somewhere around the one area. I You look up the stats and whether you look at expected goals for, say, football reference or you look at American soccer analysis, you look at the post shot stuff, or even if you get deep into the sort of the advanced numbers, like the goals added stuff at American soccer analysis, no matter where you look, Dane St. Clair has been the worst goalkeeper in MLS this year. And... He made there was one really big save he made in Vancouver. Uh I think it was a one-on-one and he got a leg out and deflected it. But beyond that I can't I can't think of really a big save that. He's made for Minnesota this year and we're talking about going back to sort of midway through last year about the All-Star game last year where he had an amazing first half that was sort of highlighted by the first game where he came in against New York and made seven unbelievable saves or something like that. But if if they're not Part of, part of this defensive problem, it's not just, oh, the defense is giving up a lot of chances. It's Dane St. Clair is not offering much of anything in goal. And a little bit of that, before now, you can sort of chalk up, a oh, small sample size. It's early in the season. They're a third of the way through the MLS season now. That's 11 games. they got a 34-game schedule, and Dane St. Clair is firmly rooted to the bottom. There's, there, there's no numbers that I have seen that are pointing to anything else, and I think it matches the eye test. He's It's time to worry about it. They Minnesota sort of took for granted that, oh, we've got St. Clair, that at least the goalkeeping is going to be good. And now, is the goalkeeping good?
0: Because he was their saving grace early last season. Because early last season season looked a lot lot like early this season, where they leaned on their defense, they leaned on the counterattack, and they leaned on Dane St. Clair to get them results. And I would say that the defense has been better – on the sample that we've had, yep. but St. Clair yep. has been worse, yep. which hasn't necessarily helped them get better results.
1: And, you know, we, we talk a lot about Minnesota's finishing, which obviously that's a fair topic. Their finishing hasn't been good, but their finishing has been, as bad as their finishing has been St. Clair, if you look at it, if you look at sort of the flip numbers of m- underperforming the expected goals of finishing, but St. Clair is underperforming the expected goals with his goalkeeping as well. You combine those two things together. It's no wonder they're dropping down into that basement in in the standings.
0: And that like that all kind of leads into my third thing, which is the fact that I stealing from a stat that was brought up on the broadcast late in this game. But this is Minnesota's third straight game, including the US Open Cup, allowing three goals mm-hmm. and. It's almost impossible to win games in MLS with that being your defense, particularly coming from a team that, as I've written on SodaSoccer.com, as many people have talked about, as we've talked about elsewhere, this team was entirely reliant on their defense going into this game. They have scored Mm -hmm. 10 goals on the season that is tied for second worst in the entire Western Conference. Uh, Sorry, the entire MLS. There's only three teams in the entire league that have scored less goals than they do. They have. And you can do okay with that. Houston is in sixth place in the Western Conference having only scored 10 goals because they've only allowed eight. Minnesota has now allowed 14 goals. Their goal difference is negative, and they've not been able to adjust to it in circumstances other than that U.S. Open Cup game, which obviously that took PKs, and they couldn't seal the deal at the end of normal time and at the end of extra time. And I, I'm gonna bring up a comment from foot trap ten on YouTube here. We came in a preseason with a solid backline, sure didn't see it tonight. We weren't rewarded for the risk of pushing the fullbacks far forward. Would you agree with that point as a part of the problem with the 532 formation?
1: Well, I, I think it's an interesting point to to talk about the fullbacks, especially because one of the biggest one of the biggest keys in terms of how Minnesota is playing is this year that's making them sort of more defensively is at least from what I've seen, it looks to me like they are in general, pushing the fullbacks forward less when they play out of that four, two, three, one, especially back when Roman Metonier was playing right back. A lot of the time it was just a lot of fullbacks bombing down the lines. They haven't done as much of that this year from what I can see partially because I think they're just trying to stay defensively solid and have those fullbacks stay home a little bit more. So I think it's an interesting point to look at the five, the five, three, two and say, well, in that formation, you have to push the fullbacks forward. And, you know, maybe that is the key of why switching to this formation ended up making the defense a little more unstable.
0: Well, and to plug, to plug myself again, because I wrote yep. about this Plug yourself. You plug yourself right now. I wrote about this yesterday on Michael Boxell and Mickey Tapias have both had outstanding seasons as at the heart of this defense, both to the eye test and statistically. They were both top 10 in MLS and interceptions going into this game. Boxy in particular had a completely unsustainable rate of interception that would have uh, m- multiplied out over the course of the season, would have had him lead the entire league in interceptions. Now, that's both them playing well, and then being put under immense pressure by Minnesota's lack of interest in possessing the ball. I've written that's not necessarily a bad thing in the past, but if you... Just the math of it is the more pressure you invite onto your center backs and onto your back line, the more likelihood there is that there's going to be a mistake. Like, Boxy and Tapias have been great for the early part of this season they are why the at a straight strong part of why the defense has been as good as they were they weren't up to stuff tonight as much and they lost
1: yep yeah and that's going to happen and I, I i think there will probably be a few people who are blaming brent coleman just because he's in there and he's a veteran and whatever i don't i don't think this is brent coleman's doing i don't i don't even think it's the formation's doing these things are going to happen the first eight Kansas City goal was from a corner that's going to happen sometimes goals will be scored from corners obviously you can look at the second one the third one the match is kind of gone I don't I don't know how much stock you can put into an 84th minute goal in a game that's already two nothing the second one was a great finish from shall but it I, again I, I you don't necessarily look at the defense and go well this is all the back lines fault or even all the fullbacks fault some of this stuff is just going to happen it's just it right now the the combination of other teams finishing their chances and Minnesota not finishing their chances, whatever the causes of those things are, making them bad. It's real bad.
0: We'll jump back into the show in just one minute, but first I've got to tell you about our friends over at Pence Homes. Owned by Minnesota United fan Nate Pence, Pence Homes was founded on the idea of providing customer service that exceeds expectations and making the home buying and selling process as simple as possible. Nate and his team specialize in the Twin Cities and can help you navigate this ever evolving market with the right tools, technology, and expertise. Pence Homes knows how to help you get the most for your house and get you into the home of your dreams while staying in your budget. Contacting Nate is Really simple. Just go to pencehomes.com or email him directly, nate at pencehomes.com. Pence Homes proudly supports local Minnesota soccer clubs, Minneapolis City, and Minnesota Aurora, and we're extremely grateful they're extending that support to us here at Soda Soccer,
1: p-e-n-t-z-homes.com or email nate at pencehomes.com. Yeah, you got to say, Nate, we talked about Patreon already. Nate Pence is like the super Patreon. This is this is a different level of Patreon. If you if you sponsor the site, that's even better than Patreon. If you have if you have Pence Home's money, feel free to email what's Jeremy's email address. I don't have Jeremy's email address. Feel free to email him. Hit him up on Twitter. He's there. Super, yeah. <laughs> we call that the super paid. We should just have Nate on here every time to just yell. He could just yell about whatever he wants.
0: And and as someone who has spent a non-zero amount of time looking at homes in yes. the state of Minnesota, as someone who doesn't currently live there, uh, Nate is who I, I go to first to look for houses and to look for information about the market and about that stuff. So like straight up uses resources. It's a wonderful resource to be able to look at and be able to keep an eye on as someone who might want to move back to Minnesota at some point. Uh, no big deal.
1: <laughs> and if, if you, I think personally, if you need a realtor, you also need a realtor who's got an opinion on whether Minnesota should play a five-three two or a four-two-three one in the next game. Obviously and that's what that we'll start make it better. Our show. And that's why Nate Pence is here for you. From Eric
0: and CD on YouTube, any chance we ever see the five-three-two again?
1: Well, I mean, that's the thing. They went away from it in this match, but it was good against Vancouver. It was fine. I I don't necessarily know you look at this and go, Well, we that goes in the that goes in the garbage can, we'll never see it again. That said, I feel like they've they've tried three at the back before and not stuck with it in the same way. This is you know, going back years, but I it really is I I feel like as much as anything, wanting to switch to a five three two has more to do with trying to find somebody in the front of the attack that is going to be able to be effective. And they're as much as anything, they're trying to figure out is there a combination of attackers that they can play that will unlock somebody? Like and that was that was one in, of the
0: twists we saw tonight is we haven't yeah. seen Bongi Hongwane up top right in a game before. So but he, then you know against a,
1: in the US Open Cup he scored two great strikers goals. Yep. and he set another one up and you you look at that game and you go Bongi Longwane is the number nine in the future for this team. Or you look at John, just by his ability, by virtue of his ability to get the ball in the penalty area and get a shot on the target, he's starting somewhere on the field. You have to put him on the field somewhere because half the strikers on the team can't do that right now. So how are you going to get those two on the field together? It's it's kind of an open question. It's funny that Minnesota always has you know, designated players at the number nine position and invariably every year we end up having a conversation like, Well, maybe Robin Lud is the solution at number time. Maybe Bongie Wangwane is the solution at number, maybe Sangmin Jung. maybe Eric Dick is the number nine of the future. We never I, know.
0: I have argued on my Twitter timeline for years that Michael Boxall is the number nine solution of the future for Minnesota United. You I don't seen know that I, I, runs forward, it's Boxy. Boxy is the I, future.
1: I, I saw his attempted finish in stoppage time in the 2019 U.S. Open Cup, and uh, I'm not ready for it. Not ready for it. Real head yeah, snow, Leaving you, boxy. <laughs> um,
0: let's let's since we hit the striker partnership, let's talk about one of yep. Minnesota United's better moments of the first half. Their only good moment of the first half, which was Sung Min Jung drawing a penalty from Tim Melia. Um, what did you think of the call to give Song Min Jung the penalty?
1: Well, first of all, I would have bet money that Tim Melia was the oldest player in MLS. And I looked it up and he's only the ninth oldest player in MLS. So Mm -hmm. right there I gotta hand it to you, Tim Melia. You're much you're a much younger man than I thought. But at the same time, it looked like what it was, which was a middle aged man accidentally lumbering into a striker and knocking him over. It was probably soft, but it was also a foul. So it was
0: like that's where I came down on it once, especially after seeing replays, is it it was a it felt like a weak call because it didn't look like much and it was the right side of the goal. Songman was on his way out of bounds. Like yep. it felt like if Melia hadn't gone down, there wouldn't have been a call at all. But <laughs> it was just Songman clumsy. Had the feet to pull the ball away from Melia and take the contact, and that's like that's just textbook. That's what it is. It was However, you know, it was
1: it was one of those penalties where you're like, Maybe it should be an indirect free kick from here or something like that. Can can this be something other than a penalty?
0: Can However, the penalty be de-
1: moved back into the D at the top of the It's pen- basically yeah.
0: like that to begin with
1: because Tim Milia is an unkillable demon when
0: facing penalties.
1: <laughs> well, you could have saved the penalty of it saying good John Duck. Anybody, Correct, I mean, but... Anybody the would just good it, skill I've could've.
0: known it. Milia has the best record of anyone in MLS history gets penalties.
1: <laughs> Even better than Nick Ramondo. Nick Ramondo was the penalty king. Unbelievable. And yeah, Songman's penalty, he's going to want that back. That was really bad. That was yeah, it was terrible. It, it looked like he was innocent about it. It's it's rare it's rare that we can say actually that you or I could have saved that penalty because sometimes you say that and well you know not really but anyone who was standing still could have saved that. I'm penalty. terrible
0: at goalkeeper. Yeah. and I would have gotten that one. A gar
1: a garbage can sitting right where Tim Mealy was standing would have saved that penalty.
0: Yeah, truly like, awful. It's, it the attempt has to be better than that. Even if you, I, I'd almost rather you miss over the top than do that. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest. Yep. So um I hope that doesn't affect his confidence too much because that did like his run up. He did the stutter step slow run up and that just looked like he wasn't oh, I hate, all the way. I don't know how you it. feel.
1: I hate the stutter step stu- step. It sucks. What do you feel? Yeah. It sucks. Run up and put some power into it. Yeah. Just run up and smash it. That's, you know, our soccer expertise. That's the kind of soccer expertise you're looking for. Post Loons viewers run up there and smash it. Yeah, John, as you Dice probably tell it. from
0: looking at us, John and I have played professionally on a number of yes. different levels on multiple, in several nights.
1: sports, as a matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> the rest, of, you know, the second half of this podcast, by the way, just so you all know, listeners, is going to be us complaining about the Timberwolves. So get ready. Oh,
0: God. I don't want to talk about that right now.
1: <laughs> Too um, soon, man. Too uh, soon.
0: And, and in regards to Tim Malia looking old, um, all the best to him. I hope he's okay, but him pulling up with a hip not looking good also made him look really old. Yep, I
1: mean that's what happens to us middle-aged people
0: take a wrong Cause, step cause he, and suddenly he stuff to, I think he just passed the ball at a goalie and was like, oh my hip hurts Yeah, and that that'll so, happen. Like, no jokes at all, none. I hope he's yep. okay like he's a legend for SKC he's a legend of MLS but he looked like an old man a couple times there, this game.
1: There's a man that has an ibuprofen bottle on every floor of his home Yep <laughs> nothing but respect so that was the second
0: half moment as Melee going off hurt that that just yep. sucks like it sucks when, when you they brought in a goalkeeper a who, like that i
1: he was they brought in a, one of those goalkeepers that you look up his stats and he has no stats you know what i mean yeah like this guy has never played soccer before where it's like if, if
0: you look at the loon goalkeeper perspective we're going to be bringing in clint Irwin who has like hundreds of mls appearances yeah. if they make a change
1: <laughs> for him the only, the only older person now. Cleniran wasn't even the older one. Do you know who the oldest person in MLS is right now? We're going, we're getting into the trivia questions portion oh, of the God. podcast. It's kind of cheating. He's he, he. Let's let's say he's here from a different league. How, how many minutes has he played this year? uh He's played about 300 minutes this year.
0: So he's played some, but mostly off the. Is it Kai Kamara? <laughs> no, he's
1: second. That that Dang would, it. <laughs> that would be the that would be the correct answer. The current oldest player is Giorgio Chiellini. So <laughs> okay, yep. it's like it's kind of cheating, but Kai Kamara is a great guess. I knew Kai had to be
0: close. Like,
1: yeah, it's very. I mean, Kai Kamara is in that range where. He's he's into that sort of athlete range where you're happy that he's still around because he's older than you. You know what I mean? He's yeah. not older than me, but it's like Nelson Cruz in baseball where it's like, uh, he looks old. But at the same time, it's just nice having a guy who's older than me still in professional sports.
0: Well, and, and, and it's one of those things also when you look at Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara was brought in for half a season at Minnesota United to try and score goals. Couldn't do it here. Two really? years later, he's now scoring goals for a different MLS team. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's true. I mean, it's cursed. It's it's just cursed.
0: Like that's that's just reality. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna lie. There weren't many moments to focus on in this game. I'm just gonna be there, honest.
1: Yeah. There was there was DJ Taylor taking a deflected shot that almost went the goal. That was mildly exciting. It was already there was doing nothing at that Luis point. Luisa Maria
0: horrifically mishandling a ball in the 94th minute that he was also way offside for. <laughs> and getting criticized on the broadcast for doing so.
1: That's I mean, it's always fun when broadcasters just can't handle it and just go over the criticism.
0: Well, it, I I believe the phrase used um was it's it's hard to see a player of his skill and his ability miss a chance like that. And I'm like, like uh, I feel like some people in the comments of this podcast are gonna disagree with that position. Yeah. I'm just gonna I gotta, you, I gotta tell you,
1: I gotta tell you, Jan Hildreth, I'm not sure everybody feels the same way as you in Minnesota. I, <laughs>
0: Yep, I respect your.
1: Uh, I respect your kindness, belief in him. But yes, I don't think I'm Mind quite someone who believes anymore. in you the <laughs> way that Jen Hildreth believes in Luis Maria. Much respect.
0: No, I mean he's he. They're gonna trade him to another MLS team, and he's gonna score 15 goals. Like just watch. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> we call that the Ramon Abila. <laughs> well,
0: I'll I'll bring that up from Dave Stevens. I'm disappointed you guys haven't mentioned Reynoso so yet. They did at least several times on the broadcast. I, I like I I'll mention him because I get to plug my piece I wrote yesterday again. Thanks. Yes. Um, <laughs> um. What I don't there's nothing to talk about is the problem. Like I will happily talk about him when there's news about when he's going to actually be back in the fold, since apparently he's actually back in the country now. But until then, this is the team we've got, and. In some ways, they've been, man- they've been managing okay, as okay as they can be about it. But until he comes back, I—I I forget. I think it was DJ Taylor who wrote the code, quote after last the Vancouver game last week, that's just like we've got some conversations to have between us as players, in addition to like all the official stuff. So I until we hear something from the team and from the players themselves, like I'm I'm good on talking about it. I don't need to think about it yet.
1: And I mean, the the thing is, six games ago. I think Minnesota United's players could stand up and be like, well, he's got a lot of apologizing to do. We're not sure if we're going to let him back in the group. You lose five out of six and draw the other one. I'm pretty sure if I'm Emmanuel Reno, so I can walk into the locker room and still feel like, well, I think you guys might need a little something from someone. Just saying.
0: Yeah, just a little bit. Um, we have a question from us, Soda Soccer, in the YouTube comments.
1: Where's Graham Zusi on the list of oldest oh, no. players? The bosses anywhere. are watching. Now I'm now I'm concerned. Or in trouble. Uh, I I can I can tell I can tell you that Kansas City has three of the twelve oldest players in MLS, and uh, Graham Zusi is the eleventh oldest player at MLS. Roger Espinosa is the twelfth oldest player yep. in
0: MLS. So they've got nine, eleven, and twelve. 9, 11, and twelve.
1: The rest of them are goalkeepers except for Diego Chara, who is 52 years old.
0: I'm going to – we talked about center backs earlier, and I'm going to – we're reaching the let's talk about some guys portion of this podcast. Let's remember some guys. I has a trivia question of let's talk about some guys. Bringing up front of the program Christopher Affleby on YouTube, I started thinking about Jose Aha as the good old days. That's how it's going. In regards to Minnesota's one – one victory in Kansas City, which none of you stats people keep forgetting about because they forgot about the playoffs. So Minnesota United is, in fact, now 0-8 and at Children's Mercy Park since they joined MLS in the regular season. In the playoffs, in case you forgot, they stomped the number one seed, Kansas City, in Kansas City, 3 nothing. I was at that game. There were a lot of sad Kansas City fans. It was really fun. Nothing, so they, nothing's we, better than the add... the one that they would most have wanted to win and right. lost every other one.
1: <laughs> lost them all in those eight games, the combined score of those games is twenty two to two Kansas City. That's hard to do.
0: It is it's difficult. yeah this this, this gets filed under. It's not actually a rivalry because we don't
1: win. <laughs> Uh, what what is Minnesota's record in Minnesota? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't Medi- know. I've got okay. the I've got the page up still. It's right. mediocre. At
0: Allianz, um they are one, two wins, two draws, one loss. And Again? at TCF Bank, one win and two draws. So they they haven't they've only lost once
1: All right. in
0: Minnesota. But the games are like Two to
1: one, two to one, one to one, zero to zero. It's not, it's not repeated for nothing one. beatings.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I, I can tell because I looked it up um, that of those twenty two to two, there was one goal scored each in two thousand twenty two and in two thousand eighteen. And John asked me before I recorded to not look up who scored those two goals so that I could guess on air who it was. <laughs> so in the game in September 2022 I'm going to guess that the goal was scored by Bakai
1: Debassi. Oh, that's you know not a terrible guess. Well, I don't even remember if he was healthy for that game but I'm going to guess. Right. Him. It was not Debassi. It's a I'll give you a hint it's a player it's a player who played tonight. boxy it wasn't it wasn't boxy <laughs> I, I i'm not gonna make you go through the jay taylor it was, it was mender garcia mender garcia you know? yeah i <laughs> think it was i couldn't why would
0: you do that when talking about minnesota and goal scorers yeah
1: exactly don't start with the strikers you start with the defenders david had the right idea there all right <laughs> we're gonna run through all the defenders maybe throw in a holding midfielder maybe a goalkeeper it could have been I a dotson a and banger a i don't think it was the right yeah, time exactly. for dotson banger
0: but it could have been because he was hurt so, last year, but you know details. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then there was one in 2018, and this one, you're,
1: like, you're I'm legitimately going to go
0: down. Let's remember some guys laying here.
1: You would have to remember about 50 guys before you got to this one, even if you started for the started with the defenders. I think it was Tyrone Mears. I forgot Mears played for the loot. Exactly. You would have had to go a long time. I was gonna say Maximiano. You remember Maximiano? <laughs> yes, I do remember Maximiano. Let's, let's remember some guys. Let's that's the rest of this podcast. We're done talking about Kansas City. We're just gonna pull up the 2017 roster and just remember some guys.
0: Oh man, like the the 2018 2018 is when I started like covering the club. Mm-hmm. And that's that roster, even compared to this roster, is just like, boy, there's some different stuff going on there. <laughs>
1: you know um, if you want to get people reverential just mention ibsen people love the them ibsen. shout
0: out to west berlin i don't know if i was watching yep. or not for the church of Ibsen
1: at the, the church of ibsen.
0: Hall. <laughs> we'll we'll do one more um observer viewer question comments on here from dave stevens i'd love to see lud at right wing and franco at left wing going forward Bongi, as a 60-minute high-energy sub, agree or disagree, how would you fill out the rest of the starting 11 in that scenario? I'll go first. Um, Bongi needs to start. He's been arguably mm-hmm. top three best player on the team over the course of the year. Probably the best attacker on the team. Yeah, I, I, I think Robin is above him still, but I think it's close, and that is a huge compliment to him from where he's come from last year but like I think he has to play.
1: So I I will say I would like I, I would like them to stop using Robin Lud as sort of the utility guy of putting him where they need somebody and instead try to put him in the place where he's going to be most successful. Cuz frankly using him in the center in the central midfielder even as a defensive midfielder and it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked very well. He wasn't good as a central attacking midfielder. I don't think he's been good in a lot of midfield roles. I would rather them start with saying, all right, what is Robin Lidd's best position? Whether put him at the nine. Yeah. Whether you put him up front, where you whether you put him a right wing, wherever you put him, start with that and then fill in behind him rather than just using him to fill in. I recognize that they have a great deal of respect for, for how he plays and his like, technical ability. Don't get would, me
0: wrong. I like him at the eight a lot, and he has a lot of creative play from the eight that has created opportunities for people that can't finish them. But um, I kind of agree that he needs to be further up the pitch, even though I have promoted him at the eight before. So I don't mind him at right wing. I think, I think like if I was going to do this with load right wing, Franco left wing as mandatory things, mm-hmm. I think I'd play Bongi up top. I think I'd play him solo striker and just see what happens. And then play sung at the 10. And then do whatever you want back behind that. Mm. Like I I probably wouldn't change anything in the, in the back six, seven, but for the attacking four, like, I think you, you put some, you go, you do the four, two, three, one, you play songman at the 10 load on the right, Franco on the left, and just try Bongi up top and see what happens.
1: Yeah. I, I'm sitting here trying to construct something in my head and it's like, well, you know, I'd like, I, I'd like Bongi in there. I'd like Jong in there can they can you put both of them up front as forward? basically what i've constructed here is about a four two four yep yeah and i don't i don't necessarily, we, we've been talking about a missing midfield i don't think it's going to be better if you've got <laughs> Ariag and will trap running around all by themselves in the middle of the field so um
0: uh chris chris Affleby has again uh, submitted a comment for a let's remember some guys section shout out to now that is that guy.
1: That is a guy Legend right there. The game. <laughs> there. There should probably be an oral history. Wasn't there another guy that came in? What came in? And when I say came in, I'm not sure they existed as people. Along with Wilfred Moyenbiterat, I don't. I don't remember. We're not. We we legitimately would have to just pull up the rosters and start going through guys at this point. Which
0: I'm not a hundred percent opposed to doing. Yeah. Right. You guys get two minutes of me pulling up the 2018 Minnesota United roster. And to just consider read you guys. Here. We're on a journey down, let's remember some probably not actually better times. Uh, shout out to Legend of the Game Alexi Gomez. Yeah and the Gomez over the over the crossbar.
1: If yeah. If it was worth a point to go over the crossbar, you would have been the top scorer in MLS that year.
0: Shout out to um Sam Nicholson, who played for Minnesota that year and has been really good in Colorado kind of since. Who
1: who did they get back in the Nicholson trade? Do you remember? It was Eric Miller and I'm somebody have else. I'm
0: go look because I have no idea.
1: I'm pretty sure it was Eric Miller and somebody else. That seems right. They Because they traded Nicholson and Sam Birch? Mark Birch? Not Sam Birch. Mark Birch?
0: I have no idea. And I don't have a nice transactions page on on football reference like I do for the basketball run. Oh yeah, France Pangop. You're thinking of France Pangop.
1: France Pangop. <laughs> I'm always thinking of France Pangop. Always
0: always thinking about France Pangop. Anyway, that that's been your adventure down Let's Remember Some Guys lane on post loons with David Naylor and John Mark Fowler um, on tap for the Loons, they have a double game week this week, so some of our questions about the depth and rotation may come into play as they play at home. They, they're they in Kansas City now. They come home to Minnesota to play on Wednesday at Alliance against Houston, who I mentioned earlier, are one of the teams like them that have a less potent offense and a very strong defense, so that might be a Interesting weeknight fixture to be mm. awake for. And then they once again have a, how many, how many times have they played on the West coast on Saturday night so far this year? I'm already tired of this. Yeah. 42. <laughs> it's, Cause it's another late night Saturday game in Portland who Portland has, seems to have figured themselves out a little bit after a, a sloppy start to the season. So this is, it's another couple of opportunities against Kind of, every, almost everybody's above them in the table at this point. So, like, figure out who you who you can beat and do your best.
1: Well, I mean, that's the thing about the Western Conference this year. You look and LAFC is obviously pretty good, and Seattle's pretty good, and then there's a lot of teams that you're not real scared of. The unfortunate part is that Minnesota is one of those teams. Oh, you're not real scared of minute. Nobody's real scared of minute. Well, and that, and, but then it's the problem is Seattle SKC went out and beat Seattle last week. No, I mean, that's just MLS. You can't. <laughs> we need, but that's you can't, the thing is that it's on – that's so MLS moments, and they haven't had any yet. MLS is an unreliable narrator. You can't depend on consistency from, from one week to another.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. So, so it's a double game week. It's also a note that they have six more matches between tonight and June 3rd, which I believe is a three weeks. Yeah, three weeks from tonight is June 3rd. So this is a busy, busy, busy season, and if you think about the fact that now they have eleven games played right now, by June third they will have played half of their games for this year. Yeah,
1: one of so if I think one they of those don't was figure it out
0: soon, they're going to be yeah. in deep trouble.
1: And then they get a break, except that break is entirely taken up with the League's Cup too. So there's there's no rest for the weary this year. Nobody's getting a summer vacation. Yeah. So
0: now, now that we can end on the same negative vibes we started with. That's yep. post loops for the evening.
1: <laughs> we got negative so, vibes and negative
0: vibes. So, so thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you to everybody who commented and who followed along on social media, who watched, who liked us. Thank you to those of you who are listening to this recording tomorrow at work or in your car or while you're in the shower or whenever you listen to your podcasts. Um, yep. Please, once again, consider subscribing and leaving a thumbs up to us get to us on YouTube. And uh, I want
1: to say oh, if you're listening to this later, I want, and you remember a guy. Please tweet it at Soda Soccer at S S O T A S O C Sota Tweet it to SodaSock. Just I want a day long of people remembering some guys. At yeah, let's sport. just
0: just just remember some guys. That, yep. that's how we'll cleanse cleanse the timeline of tonight's game is remembering some guys, a that's classic right. and time honored tradition amongst fans of the game. Also consider checking out Patreon.com/sotasoccer. Look at all the exclusives you can have there. Support people like us doing content that you like because you're listening to us and you're here. So yeah, consider that. We appreciate it. We appreciate your support and thanks for humoring John and I, as we adventured through the evening together. It's been a pleasure. Take care, tweet at us. I'm at Prof Cedar. He's at Jay Marthaler. As you can see at the bottom of the screen, that's about all we got. Check out Jacob Schneider's recap on sodasoccer.com. It's uh, already
1: up. He finally posted it
0: before we even started tonight. So go read that now that you're done with us. Thank you guys. Take care.